Hello, welcome to Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today so we're going to... excited to be here. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, WoW Patch 9.1, what it contains, what it kind of doesn't contain, and stuff around that. Um, uh, before we do that, Buddy, what the fuck's at home? What is we doing on this podcast? Well, on this podcast, we talk about games. A lot about one in particular game, I guess, recently, because we're just playing a lot of WoW. Mm. But I guess it's not a Valheim episode, so there's that. Um... So, for viewers who tuned into BlizzCon, which was a couple weeks ago now, three, three or four weeks ago now, um, Patch 9.1 was announced at BlizzCon. It's called Chains of Domination. It features a bunch of new content that we, you know, that we expected to see. We have a, uh, a new raid, a new mega dungeon, which are like the big eight boss dungeons. They've done two of these so far, Mechagon and Return to Karazhan. Did they do one in Draenor? No. Um, it includes a new zone off of the Maw, which is called, like, something. I can't remember what it's called. I want to say Vorheim, but I know it's not, like, a Heim. It's, a, it's just, like, Vor something. Which is this, like, long-abandoned, you know, piece of the Shadowlands that the Jailer, like, used his anima to, like, send the, like, the chains out. This is actually a neat lore thing. The Maw is technically created out of, like, the desiccated husks of, like, alternate... Shadowlands, like, zones and destinations, if that makes sense, for, like, you know, like, souls to go to. And, um, and so it's kind of this, like, cobbled together, you know, garbage island, in a way, in reality, which I thought was, like, that's kind of neat. So, 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 um, so, I got a question about that, actually. So, is it, like, sure. is it, like, a, like, because we do know that there are more afterlives that we just don't have insight into, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why we can't, get to, you know, go visit all of our best friends. Some of them might be off in, like, you know... I don't know. Oh, is, is there is there like a good shining example of an afterlife that we know exists that isn't accessible from from Shadowlands? Uh, so the most we have is anytime we've gotten a glimpse into an afterlife that like we've this is this is a this is a retcon tool from like okay. WoW continuity, right? Because there've been a couple of times in like the books, for instance, where like people like peek beyond the veil or whatever, right. and they go to you know like they go to some other thing like so for instance at the end of battle for azeroth we get a sort of epilogue with sour fang where sour fang is now on this you know like on his boar farm in his that's his afterlife right like he didn't end up in any of the like the typical shadowland zones um <clears throat> but the best example of that by the way is helheim uh which is if you remember oh, right. in legion we could take that portal and it took us to the you know, it's the Helheim, right? Yeah. The, the place where Helia is. Um, that's in the Shadowlands. And that is, like, Helia's domain for the Cavaldier. Um, she's obviously... We know she's aligned with the Jailer because of, you know, she's there in the Maw, in the Escape from the Maw scenario, and she also shows up in... She gets referenced a couple times. I yeah, did. in the Kyrian campaign. She mm. shows up in the Kyrian campaign, but, you know, yeah. So, um... But anyway, so we're so we're getting new zone, new dungeon, new raid, um, a bunch of new content along those lines, right? We know that the the covenant campaigns are are shifting. The maw is going to change. Uh, like patch nine point zero version of the maw is going to be markedly different in in nine point one, which I that that might be the thing I'm most excited for because we've actually never really seen one of these before. Typically, you get a new zone and then you move on from it, but that zone kind of stays like time locked. But I really like the idea that like the mall will change over the course of the expansion as we are doing more, you know, presumably more Shadowlands business. Uh, 
Um, but one thing that we did not get was systems, right? Most of the time when they do a big patch announcement like this, they will also sit down and say, hey, this is the new system that we're introducing, right? In 8.2, it was the Heart of Azeroth. In 8.3, it was Corruption, right? In 7.2, it was the, um, the expansion. There's like a little ring expansion that went on to all of the artifacts. Um, it was that expansion. In 7.3, it was the Netherlight Crucible, which like, you know, had that little tree... Mm. on the Vindicar that you could that you could like put your relic slot in or whatever else um normally they explain that stuff in like the patch announcement but in this one they said you know what we're not talking about any of that stuff today <laughs> we're gonna just put it up on the ptr and we're gonna see what you think and we're gonna listen to all of the feedback about the systems that you think have worked so far in 9.0 uh that you'd like to see expanded in 9.0 that you think are good or bad or whatever else so i guess this is our this is our version of giving that feedback, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, and so 9.5 launches tomorrow, right? Um, 9.0.5. Yeah, 9.0.5 comes out tomorrow, which is the... the so um, WoW has major patches and minor patches. Minor patches are the midpoint, which is like... So, for instance, in 8.2.5 was uh, like an allied race. They just added an allied race to the game, and they did like an auction house overhaul something like that right like this is where or and they added like the portal room for instance right like they just do like minor shit to like keep keep things together um 9.5 includes the valor changes which by the way have fully aligned with what we asked for because they have just recently announced that the overall cap is 5,000, and that increases by 750 weekly right so like over the course of the you can earn up to that match and there's no weekly cap anymore so you can just have it you can just earn as many as you want which is exactly what i wanted because counterintuitively when there's a cap i hate it but because you want to it feels good yeah yeah because yeah. when, it, when it's capped you want to make sure you fill, fill the cap yeah yeah i get that yeah yeah um so yes somebody is obviously listening to us uh you know feel free to feel free to call us we got we got more ideas <laughs> we got more ideas for sure yeah uh, it also includes a lot of covenant tuning for instance my covenant is changing um one of the things that I said at the beginning of the expansion is that I'm choosing a covenant based on aesthetics and based on sort of like lore preference because I know that they're never going to redesign the lore armor, right? Like that the, that plate armor is going to be that plate armor forever, right? right. Um, but they will rebalance and retune and change the covenant ability. So my ability, Conqueror's War Banner, is getting redesigned. Uh, it is no longer placed on the ground. I now carry it on my back. Um, it has a shorter duration, a shorter cooldown, and gives mastery instead of raw critical strike. Um, so, you know, so that kind of thing is happening. A bunch of the legendaries are getting changed and buffed around. For instance, the arms legendaries are getting pretty hefty buffs uh, for single target content. I guess arms is doing okay in AOE. That makes sense. Um, the you know, like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like underperforming legendaries that they're just trying to like bump up to make. Uh, to make competitive, though my understanding is that th that does not include the reduced cooldown uh, of Touch of Death legendary. So, big rip, I guess, on that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I I have not looked at these, so I'm I'm just kind of looking over them quickly. Night Fay, the changes are apparently uh, the pod tender pod isn't broken anymore, which is which is a great. <laughs> Probably makes that coming up much more viable. Also, there are a bunch of bug fixes on Feyline Stomp, so you should be happy about that. Apparently, oh, really? Feyline Stomp was just not doing damage in certain scenarios. Really? Yeah. If you if you used Feyline Stomp to start combat, it wouldn't do damage, apparently, according to the patch notes. Yeah, well. 
good to good to know. Uh, yeah, no, I, I guess I, you know that explains some things. That definitely explains <laughs> some things. No, nothing super important, right? Because like when we're when we're raiding, right? Which is I guess the like you know, the most important application of that. Like I'm yeah. not starting combat, or if, you know, wait, no, that that can't be true because I I pulled um. I pulled I pulled the first boss in the raid with Phalon Stomp, if you remember. Oh yeah, you're right. It must it must oh. be it must be a little bit conditional on that. Like there must be something. It must yeah. be inconsistent or whatever. Like I, I yeah, doubt it was I never there's working. A, there's a couple of bugs with Windwalker that they're changing. Some of them which are hurting DPS, by the way. Windwalker has a bug right now that is making their mark of the crane sit at max stacks when it's not supposed to, right? Like it's supposed to be falling off of dead bodies in a way that it's not. And so, which is part of why Windwalker is really gross in certain kinds of content because they just sit at max stacks of spinning crane kick or whatever that thing is called. No, that's spinning crane kick. I So I was looking, I was like, I hit something and it's like instantly like at six stacks. I'm like, yeah, what? that yeah. is specifically the bug that they call out in the patch. Yeah, so, like, so I'm like, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm staring at it. I'm like, this this can't be stacks, right? Like, it must be, like, I'm, like, looking at, oh, they made it only affect maximum six targets, so it must be, like, the number of targets arranged or something like that, right? It's like, no, no, apparently not. Um, but maybe that means I can get rid of that spinning crane kick talent. Eh, I'll, I'll figure that out. You might be able to. I mean, I, I, definitely, I definitely have seen that kind of thing happen in the past where, like, certain builds are only good because of the... Be, like because of the bugs that yeah. enable them. Yeah, actually. yeah, no, and so there's there's a there's a talent that when you proc, you proc and you get a free spinning crane kick, which I, I replaced something else that was a little bit more passive because I figured out oh, what whatever right like and this, but this is also one of those things where like you know you get down into the weeds of like the windwalker rotation you're only supposed to be using spinning crane kick regularly if you've got like three or more enemies to hit I believe is is the number. Um, but this, so this, this explains why when I'm like staring at freaking logs, it's like, you know, the top parsers all have like 15 to 30% of their damage coming from spreading spinning cake. I'm like, what, what, what's happening? Right? Like, why, why, like, am I not like, get, am I supposed to be proccing more? Like, what's the, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, so this is, this is actually a, a funny thing. Cause for me, what, what this will mean is that my parses will go up in the rankings, but my damage will stay the same. Uh, it's <laughs> That's true. They might reset the parses, actually. They'll do this sometimes on balance patches, where Warcraft logs will make a hard break and say, like, new parses starting today. Um, ah. They haven't, uh, as far as I know, they haven't done that all expansion, um, which means that, like, you are competing against, like, not just all of your own parses, but, like, every every Windwalker that has been raiding for the last four months, um, which it, which affects the rankings, like, quite a bit. I actually got a couple hundred percent parses yesterday because I was running low-level mythics with a friend to carry him, and, uh, <laughs> and so like in mythics it will track your parse by the percentage of the key. So it's like, what do arms warriors or what do demonology warlocks at this key level tend to perform like? And the answer is, when I'm in there, they tend to perform at 100 percent because nobody who's as well geared as me goes into those. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, that, that was the thing I was considering, right? Because um. One of the guys we raids with, um, shout out to Merak, right? Is the one that like parses super high on like his rogue. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, Merak. and it, I, I think part of that is like he's the only one that like plays that spec, right? Where yeah, assassination was the worst spec in the game, and he's been playing it since the beginning. This is also why I'm the number two Necrolord's arms warrior worldwide <laughs> because there are just no other Necrolord's arms warriors. I think there's a total of ten thousand over the, in 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 North America. Um, but, uh, you know, I just don't think a lot of those 
I bet a lot of those are like alts are not pushing high level content in the same sort of way. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look at these changes at, at some point just to see because I see that like Zuin's battle gear and Shadowhouse uh, might got uh, got upgrades, um, but not much else. I I desperately want that touch of death to be like more relevant than it is. Although I don't know I how you do wish, it. Yeah, I, it's it's hard to balance that touch of death legend because like what else can you do? Because like you can't really make touch of death like do more damage in a way, or like maybe I don't know. Well, maybe this is this is this is a good place to talk about nine point one systems changes, right? Like, what would you like to see if you were to buff that legendary or to change that legendary? Yeah. yeah see, I so I don't know. Like, you know, maybe you can um open like maybe you can do it at the beginning of combat too, right? Like, just because like just so it has a little bit more. Um, uh, is a little bit more more relevant in raid fights. So so fail fail chimes in. You know, uh, casting something lowers the cooldown of touch of death by X amount of seconds. So that's like uh, a, a neat idea, but like it's it's already down to a minute, right? And that's like super quick. Um, and you know that would make it better for like mythics. Um, but it's not like a minute. But it's not like so. Like I have a I have Colossus Smash, right? It's forty five second cooldown. Yeah. I use that multiple times during a fight. I'll use that five or six times over the course of you know a three or four minute fight. Um, that is different than Touch of Death because Touch of Death you functionally can only use it once. Yeah. In a raid fight. Yeah. Uh, and it only hits for like a quarter or a third of the a third of the damage. Like, what if Touch of Death became a more conventional cooldown that you could just like do all throughout an enemies? Is is thirty k damage every minute too much damage? Probably. Yeah, well, it's not thirty k. Well, like, let's let's say that like it works like it works like it does right now. And you could still get that, like, you know, skill out that last one to get the extra damage on it. But it's, like, I think it's, like, 15% of your max health if you're... Oh, no, it's not 15%. It's 30% of your max health if you're just doing it and they're not below your health level. Um, okay, 30% of your max health, that's 10 k Yeah, so 10k a minute, every minute. Hmm. That's interesting. Like, and... Uh, I think you. I think you leave the skill aspect on that, right? Like, I think that'd be fun. I haven't crunched the numbers to know if that's broken or not. But um, uh, it, it would it would definitely it would, like you said it would definitely be, it would definitely be super fun. Um, I de- yeah, I, I definitely I definitely get that. So in terms of so uh, when I when I think of systems for the game, right? We have renown, which is sort of the macro system, mm. which like over time as you are increasing your renown, you are powering yourself up, getting more stamina, getting more soul binds, getting more conduits, all this other sort of stuff. Then there's legendaries, right? Which are outside of the renown system technically um and it's just about how much you know like it's just about farming like soul ash from Torghast. what in those couple and so and then and then renown has conduits and soul binds right um what in those systems do you want to see like expand like what would when when a, a wow content branch promises more what is the more in those systems that you want to see so um, more, I think I want more to do with the soul ash. Um, I don't know what that looks like necessarily. Um, uh, I want more to do with, I think, uh, one of the, one of the other resources, um, that, uh, that there's like, it's like not a lot to, do. oh, with the, with the souls. I assume that that was something that was coming at some point, right? Cause like, there's like a hard cap on what you do with them. Um, and also like, yeah, I'm, I, so I'm pretty sure. They're going to expand the Covenant Sanctums in 9.1. Uh, 
yeah. as to, to, like, stretch into the Maw. Because they said that, you know, like, the thing in 9.1 is that all the Covenants are going to the Maw and fucking shit up. Okay, that makes sense. So I imagine that will include new Sanctum upgrades that will be using souls, that will be using Anima. Yeah, and so th that's the other side of things. And th this is, this is like, a weird request, but, like, I feel bad because, like, I feel like I need to, like, save my Anima to spend on Sanctum upgrades, and I don't get to buy any of the cool stuff, right? Like, uh, any of, like, the cool stuff that, you know, are, like, rewards until I finish those out, right? And, you know, I'm not playing super consistently anymore. Like, I, I show up for it and whatnot, but, like, I'm, like making like maybe like three to four K on like a good week now. And I could, I know I could push that, but like, it's still like, you know, well, I've got to get my third, fourth and fifth upgrades for, um, uh, I think you get my last upgrade for the battle table. and like my, my third, fourth, fifth upgrades for the, for the queen's garden, which is like the, yeah, okay. You and me are like in more or less. The, I think I have the third upgrade for the abomination factory, which is the Necrolord version of that. But otherwise we are like at that same point, which I think technically means that there's only like, 25,000 anima left before my covenant is fully upgraded but that also feels like a huge amount obviously. yeah oh yeah um and, and, and maybe the, like that's the thing i would expect though is like acceleration on like anima gain um mm. just because like i think that kind of naturally happens over the course of an expansion um yeah. that way like you know people who come in at the last minute can like get things done before the new expansion comes uh which is fine um uh but like um i also just like it's like i should do this and it's like well i could get any of the cool uh, you know, cosmetics, but then, you know, that's 5k and, you know, that's, you know, 5k that I don't have to spend on, on the Sanctum upgrade. So I don't know, maybe just an, ex I, I bet you an acceleration there would like make, like, I bet you by the end of the expansion, whether I stick around for it, or if I come back at the end, right? Like I will feel about as good about anima as I do, uh, or I will feel fine about anima gain, I guess is, is the way to put it. Um, do you feel like, um, the, so I feel like the tension there is always between people who are invested from the beginning, right? Like, there's a player like me, I have a six-month sub, I'm probably going to be playing this game all the way through, right? Like, I unless something catastrophic happens, um, right? Like, I envision that I'll be playing the entire game from start to finish, right? And I need things to spend my anima on. I need to gain anima, and I need to have stuff to buy with that anima, right? But then also, players who come in and need catch-up mechanics in order to, like, get to that... To that point, I think that that's very important for Renown because Renown ha has systems functionality. Right? Yeah, and it's it's, it's hard time gated too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like for instance, in nine point one, I think Renown will probably have a catch up mechanic that bumps you to forty, pretty much instantly. You know, like maybe it's something like if you complete the nine point version of the Covenant campaign, you immediately go up to forty, right, and then you start ticking Renown weekly like everybody else in 9.1 will start so, taking Renown. So maybe, maybe, I think they're going to add another 40 levels of Renown. It seems like that... I, I think I read that somewhere. Um, so it seems like there's going to be more Renown to get over the course of over the course of like 9.1, but I feel like that's a really tough sell to me if a fresh character has no good way to catch up to like a, like a main character. So part of me wants to say that I don't... Th like, so I believe... I think I started like and I think it let me catch up to, like, the current week's level of Renown. Um, which, uh, I think that system is mostly good, except when you get to kind of grindy, like, you know, you know, free some souls this week, and then go, like, you know, go get a thousand animal. Like, that's going to, like, more naturally gate you. So I think I think you're right. I, I think you essentially let people play through the, the Covenant campaign as fast as they want to, and then... Um, 
Yeah, maybe just jump them. Maybe jump them. I don't know if you jump them to 40 on 9.1. Maybe you jump them like to the end of the co- of the of the covenant campaign point mm-hmm. and then like okay. make them, like 25 or something 30 yeah maybe. and make and make them do um you know every others for like fuck you know, or make them do the two a week for like five to six weeks or whatever it is um, yeah i feel like the the catch-up mechanics they have right now are actually pretty good but it's pretty good at at small numbers right like if i need to catch up to someone who is at week 55 right if if baron is at 55 renown and a new character is at zero. I don't think that the current catch-up mechanics are going to be good enough to carry that that character up, right? Like, generally speaking, if I have a fresh character, I want I want that character to be like geared and playable in about two weeks, mm. maybe maybe three weeks or whatever. And so, you know, asking me to spend more time than that um, in order to get them prepared to. Oh right, because you, like, you need you need the covenant unlocks, ass. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So what are the big things there? There's the there's the covenant tree unlocks, and there's the, I guess you might count the stamina gains, like two percent stamina. Maybe for tanks is important. Um, I think the other things though aren't super duper important, right? Like the yeah. I mean the cosmetics and stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah, and the battle table. Like once you, right. Once the soulbind trees are fully unlocked. I think that it's yeah. Fine. I think maybe that's probably the way to do it. Is you like you, you jump forward the soulbind trees. Uh, uh, you find a way to jump forward the, the soulbind trees so that people can jump into it. Right. It was fine when everybody was gated because everybody could only be at a certain point. Was not I think I don't think it was ever too much to ask somebody to catch up to the end of the soulbind trees. Um, mm-hmm. Like the worst the the worst version of this was like you know not having your row unlocked for uh, for raid on like Tuesday, but I even I don't even think that was too bad. Um, yeah, I mean, these are pretty small percentages at that yeah. point, right? Like, the difference is going to be 1% either way, so it's not a huge deal. Like, the big deal is, you know, someone with a fully unlocked soulbind tree and somebody with one yeah, so unlock I, on a soulbind tree, right? How 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 important do you think it is for people to have um, the binds unlocked, like the – and, like, at, at level, right? Like, not, not the binds themselves, but the um, – the, the slotted things, I forget what they're called. The conduits, maybe? Oh, the conduits. Pretty important. I mean, I, my conduits definitely contribute a good amount of DPS. Mm. Uh, I would say maybe like 2 or 3% of my DPS probably come from conduits. I've been obsessive about the conduits just because I want to be, and, you know. Right. So how, how important is it to have, like, a level, what, like, 160 conduit versus a 226 conduit? And, like, how, like, you know, like, how far along that, at, uh... Along that gradient, do you have to be before you're like reasonably competitive? Because I, I can't yeah, actually that's tell. Really interesting. So like, I'm trying to just to put it in math terms of like my own conduits. You know, you know what's funny is I actually have logs. I can I can like take a look at logs and we can kind of see some of this mm-hmm. stuff. So for instance, on Bairn, in a typical let's like look at a typical raid, where is this one we cleared most of the raid? Okay, typical raid, one boss raid, hungering devourer, right? Like, let's take a look. So I was there on Baron, 77% DPS. I got 36 cat. Okay, so I have one conduit at item level, two, at item level whatever the base is, like 158, right? Says Mortal Strike has a 10% chance to cast again, right? Like every time yeah. you cast Mortal Strike, it might proc an additional time, right? Um, most of my damage, about 20% of my damage comes from Mortal Strike. Um, over the course of 36 total casts. Um, 
and the difference between the base level is 10%, and that scales all the way up to 16%, which is 6%, or, or sorry, one out of six. So one out of every 10 casts at first, then one out of every six casts, which is actually a pretty marked difference. Like, yeah. that's a pretty big difference if you look at 36 casts. That is three extra mortal strikes for a total. The average hit is 6.7K, right? So that's an average, is this an extra 18K damage? It's like total damage done. Um, but with six casts, that doubles, right? And it's an extra 30 damage. So that's actually pretty, that's that's bigger than I would have expected, I guess. Yeah, no, no. So, so that's that's important enough, but like maybe not. Yeah, I feel like you have to boost people up to like some base level of 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 things, or like make them easier to get, right? Like um, maybe like to, or like to get get to some base level. Like I, I you know, I, I don't actually remember super well, like because like the, those base levels just kind of like happened. And we got, and I got them. And then it was only, it's only been these like last kind of, kind of like 187, I want to say up. Like 187 to 220 to 213, or not, 187 to 200 to 213 have been the ones where I've been like farming them off of, um, uh, out of the maw using the, using the mechanics there because they don't have a super good reliable way to, to get them in the wild, as it were. Because um, the world quests. Yeah, you basically can't get them in the wild anymore at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe maybe part of this is everybody gets like a full set of the base ones. That way you don't have to go like hunt them down uh, initially. And maybe a better way to, to target those um to target those uh those conduits that like up to a certain level, right? Like you know, increase uh like you know something you can buy from Venari. Maybe that's like increase a conduit um to uh yeah to like a base level. So yeah. you increase it up to two hundred. You would still need to you know bring it up a certain ways there. That's pretty typical. Um, normally in patches they bump item levels by a set amount. Uh, in BFA it was always thirty, right? So it was you know the next raid would add thirty item levels, and then the but that brought up the bottom too, right? So normal dungeons got bumped by thirty. Um, normal raid got bumped by thirty, right? Like everything all came up together, if that makes sense. So that would put. And let's assume now they're doing it by 13, so it's 26, technically. Um, uh, that was like two raid tiers in, uh, in in Battle for Azeroth. So if everything gets bumped by 20%, by 26, the current level of normal dungeons is 158. Uh, so that brings it up to 184, you know, like pretty naturally. Uh, that's, that's what a mythic level dungeon is right now. So the mythic level dungeon will now become a normal level dungeon in terms of item level. Um, and you'll just sort of walk up. That that makes sense to me. Yeah. It would mean that the bottom level should be 184, I guess, instead of 200. But. Yeah. 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 No, that makes that makes sense to me. Um, so I, I talked about the things that, that that I wanted. But do you have do you have any big ideas for what you want? So I think I just want new options more than anything else. Mm. I'm not necessarily looking for like a deepening of some of the options that we already kind of have but i would like to see like i feel like they should add a new legendary power for our, like all of the classes or like all the specs or whatever um i feel like they should add uh more conduits uh like i would like to have another arms conduit another you know or like another endurance conduit another finesse conduit like that kind of thing because i actually do think that there's a lot of fun i i was surprised 
how much this expansion I'm swapping between conduits and sort of like builds and sort of like soul binds and all this stuff based on kind of any given like week. And I might be alone in that specifically because like, I think there's a certain kind of player that's just a guides player and the guides never get into these kinds of weeds, right? So for instance, one week we were at raid and I was running plague binder Marileth, but all of the other Necrolords were running a many, but it was actually wrong as far as I could do the math to run a many just because um a many's because we got a second soulbind conduit and it was in that specific week right so in that specific two-week period where marileth was ahead of a many i swapped to marileth but most of the raid who were also necrolords didn't so i guess that kind of implies that most people don't really think on this on this sort of level but fuck it i do and i would love to see like new stuff along these sorts of lines uh, because something that is really that that i've really kind of connected with is like the depth and breadth of my class in terms of like specific kind of content and how i want to approach it right um for most of the expansion i was running a very specific kind of build but i was you know i was sometimes going an execute build i was sometimes going um a uh, a more like smooth single target build i was sometimes going kind of like this this thing i think most people have like an aoe and a single target understanding but this is like even more so than that it's like okay well let's do single target but a single target that's focused on execute right let's do single target that's focused on smooth damage over the course of the um like over the course of the experience because if i want to i can create and this is actually the highest dps version of my class right now um, I could create the execute version of the build, which includes soulbinds um, choices and, con and conduit choices, um, and it meaningfully affected my gameplay because I was taking a different ta I was taking different talents. I was approaching the fights differently, um, and I was using some stuff that I just like. I don't know that I just don't know that anybody else cared about this. Like it was pretty necrolord specific based on how like the banner worked and stuff. Um, but it was like very, it was like very, you know, uh, finicky, I guess, to to set up this version of the character, right? Like this ver, this build, and getting this build off, and I eventually like kind of like moved off it. But now I'm in Mythics, and I'm and I'm kind of alternating between a Ravager build, which is pretty bursty, right? In that version, I am doing high high amounts of burst AOE DPS every forty five seconds, which is when. Warbreaker Ravager and stuff, and then between those, I'm pretty low DPS, which would be like, you know, kind of the difference between doing 6k for this 15 second window, and doing, you know, 2k for the for the intervening 30 seconds between those windows. But if I go the Dreadnought build, which uses Blade Storm, um, that also has a very high like burst window, but it has smoother damage like overall and actually the burst windows themselves are fewer and farther between because bladestorm has twice the cooldown of ravager so when bladestorm is up it's doing insane amounts of damage but my but my in-between trash pull damage right like that that stuff is different and so i like the idea of using conduits and using legendaries and using soul binds to um create interesting like ways to build the character and to, like play the character and still be doing high level dps the funny thing is that to be honest my dps is about the same no matter what i'm doing <laughs> it's just like small things like am i hitting the packs i want to hit with blade storm because i'm you know i'm part i'm i'm pieced throughout the dungeon or one of the weird things about blade storm is i can't interrupt 
So it kind of sucks to be using Bladestorm in an interrupt-heavy dungeon like Spires of Ascension, where my interrupt might be necessary for any individual pull. And so if I'm just sitting there Bladestorming for six seconds, that's actually kind of dangerous, right? Um, and so I guess I would like to see some, like, different sort of, like, variety along those lines. Especially with the conduits themselves, because I feel like for my class, there's a couple of different conduits. There's an execute conduit that increases execute critical strike damage. Um, there's that mortal strike conduit that doubles up your mortal strike. There's an AOE conduit that says when Ravager or Bladestorm finish, your Whirlwind does more damage. Um, there's the Covenant choice itself, right? So mine is just the Necrolord's War Banner is a, is a flat strength amp or whatever. Um, and I feel like I would like to see some conduits that are, like, finding different aspects of the class to pump up or uh, kind of, like, emphasize. Um, so, for instance, a conduit version of something like, in BFA there was a talent, or not, not a talent, an Azerite power called Test of Might that said, you know, when I use Colossus Smash, I gain, and I spend rage during Colossus Smash, I'm gaining a big strength with like i'm be, i'm gaining like a big uh, amp of strength at when the when the test of might ends right it gives me a certain amount of strength for every rage i spend during during colossus smash i actually kind of like those sorts of you know uh like that sort of a mechanic as a way to differentiate itself from the more general like mortal combo just smooths out my damage overall because i'm always casting mortal strength throughout over the course of a fight um and so something that is about like big burst windows versus that is like that's a that's an interesting sort of choice for me. Yeah, no, that that, ma that makes total sense. And what you're describing is kind of like we've talked about this before, but like you know, getting WoW to the point where it's balanced enough that you can make these choices uh, based on preference, um, and like rather than like you know having to be like a slave to the meta. Um, I, I think I think you're right about the guides player thing. I wonder I wonder how much value this has to the player base, like. People, like, what's the differential between people who don't care enough and just pick the ones that look cool, um, but care enough to, like, make these choices, right? Like, like that feels like it's a small set of people, because I feel like, the, like, most of the people who care enough to make these choices, like, at, like, an optimization level are going to be, the, are gonna, most of them are going to be people who, like, go to the guides, right? Or, like, go to a sim and just see, like, what, 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 what what's big number, please, right? Like, um, like, you either have to be, like, you, who is, cares enough to, like, go like to to go beyond and like figure out like micro optimizations or like you in a different way where you're making choices that aren't necessarily optimal for like fun reasons right like yeah i actually think that there's a a sort of sliver that gets missed in these kinds of discussions of player who likes the guides because they get to offload the math right but enjoys so like they, they don't quite get enjoyment out of creating the build in the same way that i do right like it's just generally fun you know walking into uh like a like a new raid or whatever with a different build and trying to make that thing like work for me but i think for a lot of players it is more about like a like a like a like it's more about like choreography right it is someone tell me the dance moves and i am going to master them right I am going to yeah, if you if you give me all the best stuff to to learn. There's still actually a lot intro. There's like a lot of like it's execution mastery. In, yeah, exactly right. Like I mean, and this is something that I'm still not amazing at. I I have problems on a rotational level that probably tank my DPS in bad ways. Right, like you know, letting a dot fall off or something like that's that's right. bad. 
you shouldn't let your dots fall off. You should be re-upping your dots in the window to whatever they call that, the pandemic window, um, where you can re-up your dots. Um, you know, you should be casting abilities on cooldown that are like something that I do all the time in arms that fail. I will understand and will also yell at me for um, as soon as I explain this is I will sometimes take I will take overpowers over mortal strikes because I don't want the mortal strike to proc an overpower. So just to explain the way that this works in if for an arms warrior more uh mortal strike costs 30 rage right so generally speaking all the guides will say keep 30 rage in your bank so that every six seconds you can hit with a new fresh mortal strike it is the strongest damage it's the strongest damage per rage you're gonna do until an execute phase right just keep it but we also have an ability that says for each rage you spend you have a chance to reset the cooldown on on overpower right so if you are in a situation where you have a global cooldown coming up and you have both mortal strike and overpower to press right the technically correct thing to do in a holistic sense is to press mortal strike because over time that will be correct but if you press mortal strike and proc an ex an, an overpower it would have been correct to go overpower mortal strike overpower just based on the way that that right. like that works so it's kind of gambling and sometimes you lose that gamble you hit, you know, you hit the overpower, and then you use the mortal strike a GCD late, and then you don't get the refresh, and you just sit there for another two GCDs, like gaining rage, and you're just like, well, you can't win them all. But like sometimes it does work, and that stuff like feels, you know, it feels like it pays off. It feels like, oh, oh, oh I'm like outsmarting the, you know, I'm outsmarting the rotation, but very rarely are you actually outsmarting. The no, I, I, I know how you feel. I know how you feel about this this kind of thing too, right? Like, I mean, I've got like, I, I, I think I've talked about this on the cast before, but like, you know, the moment I came back to the game, I like, my muscle, my muscle memory instantly came back. I started like dialing in the attacks in the way, you know, that I, that I always was. And there's some stuff that's like wrong about that, right? Like stuff got patched in different ways. Um, and like, uh, the, big, the big one for me is um, according according to, to the Icy Veins and the... Um, uh, what's this? Uh, Speak of Serenity, which is like the monk specific uh, site. Um, mm -hmm. The way you're supposed to do it is you're only supposed to like the the chi the chi the, the gainers and the energy spenders only have high priority if you're about to cap energy. And so my wor my my worst things are like fisting a fury and like having way too much energy at the end of it. Right, like you know, having like wasted energy ticks at the at, at, at cap. Oh, because yeah, Fist of Fury lasts for like two GCDs. Yeah, right? yeah. So if you cap out on energy, you are then wasting the energy that could have then gone into more Tiger Palms or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and the other, another part of that is is also like, like instinctively pressing Tiger Palm. I'm supposed to be um, pressing uh, like, um, well, the big one now is is like Invigorator, whatever it's called, because that's like a thing that no one ever. Uh, uh, you know that, that that never in the past was used. It's like a it's like a half GCD spell that like heals you for a little bit, but like it gives you one chi and it's cheap. Anyway, um, the other oh, interesting yeah the, the other big I didn't part know that was in the thing, but yeah. yeah the other big part of it, and that was actually the, the the single biggest thing I think that like like I, I like I like had like a couple of weeks of like very good progression in terms of like well, how I was doing a read and I, that was part of it. it was like properly interweaving that because like the 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 chi efficiency is is high. The other big one. And this is a real big one for me is that you're only supposed to like prioritize those um, chi uh, or energy energy spenders 
um, when you're almost capped at energy. And, like, I will also, like, there's, like, a couple conditionals there. But, like, I have, like, so, like, in my mind, like, you know, you do Tiger Palm, Blackout Kick, Tiger Palm, Blackout Kick, whenever, like, you're, like, at the bottom of the pool. And technically the right thing to do there is, if you're not capped at energy, is you, like, Blackout Kick something else to proc combo strikes. Like, um, for me, that's usually, like, Chi Wave. And then Blackout Kick again if, if you have the Chi for it. Um, and But I will very often just, like, press Tiger Palm out of kind of, like, rote memory. And, like, these are, like, very small optimizations, but I think that these, I think that this is kind of, like, you know, the difference between, um, uh, you know, like, the, the, the goods and the greats. Although maybe it's just because I haven't been spamming fucking Crane Kick, because that's what you're supposed <laughs> to do. <laughs> no, I know. I think uh, this is what I think is so compelling about WoW. And, like, when you told me, you know, like, you tweeted this the other day about how, like, you think 14 is better, oh, Final Fantasy 14. equal if not better, right, yeah. than everything in WoW, but it is, like, I think these rotational things are the things that are, like, at the end of the day, this is, like, the the, the, the very core of it. It is, the, it is the, the neutron star at the center of the solar system of, like, the, the massive amount of gameplay that WoW supports. It's just, like, how interesting it is. Like, man, in Raid, I pay attention... And the rate at which I'm making these decisions is, like, insane in a certain sort of sense. Because, like, so, th so another thing that I do that's common, because Arms Warrior is all about managing your rage. You never want to cap on rage, obviously, but you also want to save enough rage in the bank to be using your mortal strikes every six seconds, right? So the typical rule of thumb is that you only use the filler rage spender slam whenever you're above 60, Right? But that does change technically like based on what talents you're going. So for instance, I'm also running Rend, which costs 30 Rage and is a bleed. And I want to have also 30 Rage in the bank for Rend. So at, at any individual moment, like between GCDs, I'm paying attention to where my Rend cooldown is at and my what the Rend up on a target looks like. I'm paying attention to where my Mortal Strike cooldown is at. I'm paying attention to my Swing Timer because I'm going to see, am I going to hit a Swing and get more rage before my next GCD happens. And then I'm paying attention to where my overpower procs are. I'm obviously paying attention to all of my big cooldowns. And then I'm paying attention to, um, and then I'm paying attention to my filler. Like, is this the correct moment to use slam yes, no, right? And there are some times where I opt into decisions in that, in that whole tree that are, it feels like these are taking place at like light speed. Right? Because in between a GCD, 1.5 seconds, I'm going, okay, Mortal Strike is up in three seconds and I don't need to refresh Rend, but I don't have an overpower proc to spend. So I think I'm going to risk it on Slam because I see the swing timer is going to hit before my next GCD. And I'm pretty sure I'll get enough rage off of that to add to my current level of 38 rage to then put me above the 60 that I would need. And right, like, and that's a, to condense that much decision making not only into the 1.5 seconds, but into the 1.5 seconds where I am also like, the seeds for Artificer are coming out, or whatever, you know, like all of whatever, that's not even talking about any of the raid mechanics. I think that that's like an immensely compelling experience. Yeah. And like, if I were to ever explain to somebody what makes WoW raiding, and like high, you know, like, and like mythics and stuff like super, super fun, it's like those sorts of interactions, right? Like where you are, analyzing and making decisions about each individual button press at this like insane you know like at this insane sort of rate um to that end though i do think that there are like really interesting choices that are kind of like offered by conduits and also by legendaries but one of the things that i think is interesting is that like 
So conduits and legendaries do sort of the same thing, right? Both of them sort of like spice up your your build and the way that you approach like the game to a certain extent, right? For instance, taking the touch of death legendary changes your like uh, like a focus of your power, however much that might be. It's probably only a couple of percent, but whatever. From things like you know blackout kick and fists of fury to touch of death whereas taking the zuen legendary might do the opposite right where it's like okay well now part of my focus is when am i dropping zuen for this huge haste amp that i'm gonna get during the course of this versus you know whatever any any other individual legendary that's like rotational if that makes sense um, but one of the things that's interesting about legendaries is legendaries are flat where conduits have to scale right so the mortal combo conduit starts at 10 percent but it scales up to 16% capped right now, and presumably up to 18%, 19%, however however far it's gonna go in the future. Um, which does sort of make me think about how I would, as a WoW designer, look at a conduit and look at a legendary and say, this is a legendary effect and this is a conduit effect, right? Because in a certain sense, that Zuen legendary that you're wearing could also have been a conduit. Or like the, the Touch of Death legendary could have been a conduit. It could have been Touch of Death reduces the cooldown by 48 seconds, and then by 52 seconds, and then by 56 seconds, and then by 60 seconds, for instance, right? Yeah. Rather than just the flat 60 that's on the legendary. And I wonder if there is something like to the decision making behind behind that like design ethos that is like part of these like 9.1 discussions yeah no, I, just as a quick correction it's not by 60 seconds it's 260 seconds it's from three minutes to 60 seconds on the legendary um which is great for for you know like like i i definitely have fun with it in mythic plus but like i think i think you're right right like can you build that i, I think part of the problem too is that the kind of static abilities on the covenant or on the covenants are a little bit too important like they're overridingly important because like i like burrs like i have uh the bottom of my tree there's an ability that basically throws out like a damage right and that doesn't give me the second attack conduit but it does so much damage right like like um i have heard this by the way yeah. nia's burrs is like really gross funnily enough i actually also use a soulbind ability over a but but so the interesting thing is that I don't think Nia's Burrs is an interesting ability. Oh, it isn't. It's so passive. It's, it's entirely it passive. It, yeah. But so the ability that I'm using right now on Bonesmith Hairmere is it, uh, it's a proc. And it says, when you land 10 critical strikes, your critical strike chance is increased by 18% for 10 seconds, right? Um, and that has a 60-second internal cooldown, right? So this is only proc once every 60 seconds. So at the end of those 60 seconds, you're going to create a new timer. One of the neat things about being a warrior is the way Whirlwind works is Whirlwind technically hits three times. So for any individual Whirlwind hit, right, any of those could be crits. So compared to something like, in a certain sense, like Monk, right, um, well, I guess my, spinning crank kick also works this way, so it's not different. Uh, it's just like, uh, what's a what's? I'm trying to think of like a good hard hitting uh, class that doesn't do something kind of along these lines. Um, maybe maybe a good example is like Destro Warlock, which is like pumping a lot of damage into big big hits with Chaos Bolt. Right, there isn't a lot of like incidental or like pop 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 kind of kind of damage. I proc Bonesmith Hairmere's ability super often because a lot of the time I'm running, you know, this is part of my Mythic Plus build. There's going to be multiple targets. So in like one whirlwind in a five-person group, 
I could maybe get proc it. And definitely in two whirlwinds, right? But if I am a Destro Warlock, where each of my crits are coming from individual spell casts, well, that's 50, you know, like let's say 15 or 20 different spell casts. That's an extra 30 seconds that at me as a as a Destro Warlock is adding to that internal cooldown just because it takes me that long to proc, you know, these each each individual cast, right. right? Whereas as a as a monk or as a as a warrior spamming, you know, spamming whirlwind, it takes me no time to 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 proc those um, extra hits just because of how like the the way whirlwind works. And that feels good, like recognizing that like yeah. feels good. I mean, I I did sim it, and the sim did say that that was, like, correct, but I it was, like, one of those things, like, I saw that, and I was like, this has got to be the best. This has got to be really fucking good. Not only that, because, like, so the other piece of this is that, um, and this is something that, that won't sim out, right? In the mechanics of a Mythic Plus, right, like, a lot of the time there's a little bit, you have, like, these little gaps of downtime, like, between a pull or whatever, and so being able to start a pull, like, relatively fresh which includes, which would, like, include this ability, right? So I could start with Warbreaker, Ravager, which are both on 45-second cooldowns, and then proc into 18% extra critical strike at the, top of a, at the top of a trash pack because, like, the internal cooldown has reset between pulls or whatever. That's, like, that's really gross because now not only am I taking advantage of the 18% crit, I'm taking advantage of the 18% crit in my previously, you know, determined burst window. So... I do think that those sorts of uh, I think that those sorts of interactions are like are like really interesting and Neo's burst for the damage it does is intensely not interesting. It is I mean, incredibly boring because it just procs it just procs. Right. I mean, I yeah, the same way. Like, it, it. I I wonder like 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 that's all like your your description is interesting in theory, but I don't know how interesting it is in practice because you don't have any control over it, right? Like you know like yes, it's cool that it will proc at the top of your burst window. Right, but like it's not like you control that, right? Like it's like if it happens, it happens, right? Like it's it's just determined by the fact that you have rapid hitting abilities. And similarly, right, like Nia's Burrs is also like percent on hit, right? So it's kind of like it's diffused over, you know, like you know, because they don't have to build up to ten or whatever. But like you know, that's just kind of like a, a pre-calculation, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm saying, oh, Nia's Burrs is better than, um, I guess the 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 pod tender equivalent one is is uh is is phalan standing in like your phalanx stomp. Um, like Borbotus for standing in Phalanx Top, if, if, if I remember correctly. Um, and there's also a couple other ones like passing versatility back and forth. But um, uh, it's like just like it, that's it, it, it's it's very much a, a numbers calculation. You know, recognizing it is, is its own fun. But like, I don't think there's a lot of since you don't have a lot of control over it. Um, like, there's more math to do, right? There's there's more pre-calculation to run, I guess. But I don't like it's not like in the moment. You can you can do that. Like I mean, maybe you can see the like. Do you see the countdown? Do you see the internal cooldown? Yeah, well, so I don't see the internal cooldown, but I do see a proc, okay. which is to say that um, it'll show up as a buff and it'll show you how many crits you have. And th this is another interesting thing because sometimes this will happen where I will be sitting at a certain number of crits and then I will pr like um, the other day I was doing a sanguine depths fifteen and we were on the pack before a boss fight. And I was sitting there and I was spamming execute to kill the last mob. And then I looked up and I realized that I was at 9 out of 10. Uh, so you held and off. And I just sat and I didn't do anything on the, on the boss. Or on the, on the mob. Because I wanted the mob to die so that I could start the boss, get a crit, and immediately, you know, like, walk yeah. into the Okay, window. so, so yeah. like a little bit yeah, of those. There is, but it is more the fun, it is like more the fun of, like, watching a 
something you planned for payoff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, it, we'll is, it is more about like you know I know intellectually I took this thing because sometimes it'll it'll proc in the way that I want it to proc and that'll be, and that'll feel really gratifying and then in the middle of this burst window I will just happen to notice oh hey would you look at that yeah. I think I think a lot of that is also just kind of like feedback, right? Like I find burrs, or at least they found burrs, like hard to see initially, mostly because it's like the same color scheme as the Feyline stop, right? So and they're usually like landing like in the Feyline stop. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's also true. Also, crits pop off the screen. This is a, this is a problem that I actually have with other skills. I think I technically I I go I've gone hard for crit all expansion. Crit is like the stat that I look for, which is technically true. Um, like crit haste are the best stats for for warrior or whatever, but I think crit feels good because you see the the oh, yeah. pop off screen in a way that like haste doesn't do that. I mean haste, I I do like haste because playing at very high amounts of haste is very fun. Uh, you know, like in at the end of Battle for Azeroth, I was sitting at eighty percent haste, right? And just like go like going that fast feels like really great, and if you know, it feels like you're on cocaine or something like that yeah, right? yeah, yeah, no. the, the, the other like versatility will never feel that good oh, to me but, just because like but believe me i know versatility is the best stat for monks this patch and like it just kind of like and like i had to trade a bunch of crit out for it right because like i i oh. like personally prefer crit because i like that kind of i think those big hits although i will say mm. switching to the zoons off of the touch of death because like, this is that dynamic right like touch of death is one big hit you know zoons you pop you, you pop zoon and and you get like a bunch of haste um, popping it and having that moment where you're suddenly going so much faster, right? Like, feels real good. Especially because I'm also, like, a, a troll, right? So I can, like, do that with, like, um, Enrage or whatever whatever it's called. The, the, the troll racial. Yeah, berserking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that all that all, that all all feels great together, right? Like, But I think I think there's definitely something to, like, like you know, being able to feel the stuff happening, right? Because, like, I have... Um, uh, I think it's, like, the, the, the Lady Dark Vein trinket, the one that, like, you know, you activated and it, like, does some damage or like you know you you add damage dots to the person but like you know i just kind of like hit it on cooldown and apply damage when it happens right like you know like maybe there's a little bit of finagling there that took for like a little bit of mastery bits right like not not like mastery mastery but like you know personal like execution um mastery um but like you know it's a number that happened like i know i hit the button and like but like i can't really see it happening right like i don't care it's kind well, of like, that's so do you actually do you know how that trinket works the the mastery point on that trinket is doing it with everybody else because it, it scales off of other people who have that trinket i, I that i does does it, it, it i might yeah, so the way the trinket works is it does five hits of damage right and it applies stacks that make the damage you do the subsequent damage you do do more damage right the thing that makes that trinket good is if let's say five people are using it the first person stacks those up to five because it, it stacks up to 25 the second person stacks it up to 10 the third person stacks it up to 15 or whatever that's my understanding of oh really okay it, so i didn't it's not particularly good for me but i the, just reading i remember i read the text i was like what the fuck does this mean and then i saw it in action and i was like oh that's if i have the trinket because Merak has it i think actually and I saw, and I saw like the the stacks tick up on the boss. If I have it, that's my cue to be like, okay, I'm also gonna hit the trinket so that we're, you know. Okay, I didn't. I didn't. To plus ten, plus fifteen, that kind of thing. I didn't realize that they it stacked with other people's versions of it. That makes that makes a lot more sense, huh? Well, that's it. Regardless, right? Like, I, I I think I think the point still kind of holds though, right? Like, cause like absolutely, right? Like, there's like that moment, but like you know, it's not like it's not like I'm see, feeling those those numbers. 
right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not like they're, they're popping off in, in a certain way. I, I think this is uh, a kind of hard thing to do with in raids anyway, just because, like, you know, your your numbers are, like, combining. Like, like there was a moment during, like, one of the earlier expansions like, they could just, like, tick down the health of the boss at, like, a constant rate, and none of us would probably notice, right? Like, you know, in aggregate, we'd notice because, like, everybody would be clearing the boss at the same time, but, like, you know, yeah. you know. You could just, like, you know, tick down the health of the boss by the average item level of everybody in the raid. There were allegations of that in Legion, actually. Really? Because, so, it was a big controversy because nobody's kill times were getting faster on bosses. Um, Which is what you would expect, right? You'd expect, if I come in, I kill the boss, next week I have a whole raid's lockout of loot coming into the next boss. And we would kill it that much faster. We're that much more powerful. Um, It turned out to be just a balancing thing, like... With the way the bosses were working, right? Like, there were only certain sorts of damage phases or whatever, and, like, the the bosses needed to be nerfed in such a way that you actually start, started to see those kill times, like, ticking down. But, yeah, that was, a that was like, a... Not, like, a real thing. That was, like, a dumb thing yeah. that, you know, people conspiracy theorized about. But, absolutely, it absolutely matters. And I think it's partly because, like, WoW has to give you damage for poor play up to a certain percentage, right? Yeah. You have to, like, 70% of your damage has to be brain dead, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, where you're not making good or interesting decisions. You're just kind of hitting buttons at random, right? Just by the function of, the like, how the game works. Which means that all of the gains that we're talking about are typically 1% or 2% gains, right? And those add up over the course of, right? Like, if I have the right if I have the right outlook of stats, that's maybe 1%. If I have the right soul bind, that's another 2%. If I have the right legendary, that's number 5%, right? And over the top, you know, over the course, I will add up the intervening 30% that differentiates me from a 77% player. But, like, it isn't as though a poor player does 0 DPS. A poor player just does 1K versus my 4K, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But you know, are there any like legendary effects that you would like to see? Like, if you could pitch a legendary for Windwalker, what would what would you think a cool legendary for Windwalker would be? <laughs> so my mind immediately jumps to like Touch of Death. Just you know, works on raid bosses uh, at like ten thousand percent player health because you know that'd be very stupid but but very fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, um, uh. No, like, no, just because I, I can't think of, like, off the top of my head, I can't think of something. You, you, do you have one in mind for, uh... Yeah. Off the top of my head. I mean, maybe I do. I don't know. Uh, there, like, there were a couple, um... I was thinking about Torghast powers, right? Like, if I could have a Torghast power mm. that is currently in Torghast and bring it out as a legendary power, what would I do and how would that, and, like, how would that look? essentially and so something i was thinking is um one of my favorite torghast powers is one that says that like when you mortal strike you have a certain percent chance to cast whirlwind i think i would really like that legendary power as like as an aoe focused legendary power that spices up the rotation because one of the things that sucks about uh the, the the current way that arms is built is the aoe is like is super bursty it's all about your burst cooldowns and the rest of it is just spamming more uh whirlwind mostly you're not really using mortal strike and i think i would like to use like the idea that i'm now using mortal strike because it has a 30 percent chance a 50 percent chance or whatever percent chance to proc a free whirlwind just to spice up that rotation would be nice mm. i don't know i definitely i definitely think um 
the single target legendaries are all there. Three of the three of the arms. Um, maybe it's all four. It's exploiter single target, enduring blow single target, battle lord single target. What's the last one? Family chat. Do you remember what the last one is? Unhinged is single target. All of the, all four of the arms legendaries are single target legendaries. Yeah. So I would like a an AOE legendary. Like there's there's one right now that is specific to the whole class that says your whirlwind deals you get an extra proc of whirlwind at eighty percent damage. So instead of hitting three times, it hits four, and that fourth one is a little bit reduced. And then there's Signet of Tormented Kings, which says whenever you cast a cooldown, you cast one of the other two specs major cooldown at reduced effectiveness, which is the which is like the legendary that I use. And that's very good, obviously, but I don't know. I feel like that there's, there, I like, I wish there was like another cool thing I could do in an AOE, you know, like in the AOE rotation. Um, yeah, yeah. That uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I would say like I'm not a huge fan of of like real like none of the monk legendaries like really feel like super fun to me. Right? Like I like the touch of death one, but like that's also it's also like not super interesting, right? It's like you know I I kill something instantly, which is fun, but like you know it's not like a it, it, it's not, like, super interesting gameplay. And, like I said, the zoom-ins one is fun just because, like, you know, it's fun to hit buttons real fast every once in a while. But, like, I don't know. The only, the only thing I can say is that there's one that, like, I don't, like, there's one that, like, like zooms you with your tiger palm to your target, and I hate that. Like, I hate it whenever it comes up like the power and Torghast that I have to take. Like, I absolutely despise it. So, um... Yeah, I'm trying to think about, like, other classes. A lot of classes will have, like, cooldown reduction ones. Like, Assassination Rogue has one that says, like, for the energy you use, you reduce your cooldown. There's a Fury one that's sort of like that, and I wonder if that would be fun. But the thing is that that's hard to do with that is um, for arms, one of our capstone talents is called Anger Management, which says every 20 rage you spend reduces the cooldown of Blade Storm and Warbreaker by Colossus Smash by a second or whatever. And those things like hit critical mass pretty quickly if you use them in conjunction, obviously. So it's like, okay, well now every 20 rage you're using reduces your cooldown by a second, and every, you know, what would it be like, overpower reduces the cooldown by a further second, and now all of a sudden you're dealing with a 20 second Colossus Smash cooldown. Maybe that would be cool, maybe that would be fun. Mm. I also think that the most interesting legendary in arms right now is Battle Lord, which is a proc that says, they're changing it to overpower tomorrow, but it says right now it's slam, right? Your slam has a 40% chance to reset the cooldown of Mortal Strike. That is the legendary that in, that affects me the most. Like, I recognize having that legendary up more so than I do any of the others. Because, like, obviously my priority thing is to hit Mortal Strike on cooldown as often as I possibly can. And so it makes me pay attention in a way that I don't normally pay attention. Because I know Mortal Strike comes up every six seconds, right? That's that's the cooldown, so I'm kind of, like, prepared for that. But now, every time I cast Slam, I have to be prepared. Holy shit, Mortal Strike just reset? Let's go. Kind of thing. And I think that those sorts of legendaries are probably the most engaging in an active sense, right? They, they, they make me care the most. I wouldn't, want the, I wouldn't want to carry this in the open world where I'm just, I'm not thinking and I don't want to think about these kinds of things. Um, but like in a high intensity, like raid environment or whatever, hell yeah, I would like, I would like another, another legendary on those sorts of lines that like really makes me, you know, think or consider or whatever, right? I guess for monks that would be like, you know, Blackout Kick or Tiger Palm have a set of chance of resetting. So, so, the, Fury maybe? The, yeah, so that, so that would be the thing. Like, so like Shadow's Might is getting, uh, apparently getting patched, uh, tomorrow, um, but it reduces the, sec the cooldown of all of your brews and Windwalkers get like fortifying brew. Right, so like, yeah. which is not like, like you know, it's it's not like a, a, a it's not super valuable. Like, my top use for fortifying brew is to give me more health so I can touch of death earlier. So you know, it's neat. 
That's actually funny. <laughs> yeah, that, this actually also hurts because there's another legendary, probably the legendary that I want to go the most is Misshapen Mirror, which says spell reflect lasts longer and applies to the like the nearest member in my party. Because like, if there is anything I like doing, it is spell reflect shenanigans, right? It is learning the cool shit in all of the dungeons and all of the raids that I can spell reflect. And so the, the idea that I could tell somebody like, okay, stick on me, we're gonna spell reflect. You know, the, the one I just learned the other day, um, you know at the end of the other side, there's the thing where Muzala like shoots a beam across half the platform. I can spell reflect that, which is like, it negates that entire mechanic basically, right? And so being able to tell somebody, just stick close to me, I'm gonna hit spell reflect, we're both just gonna sit and DPS the boss, not worry about this mechanic, right? Um, or there are other mechanics. Um, one of the cool interactions with spell, spell reflect, I actually did it in the raid the other day. I can spell reflect the ads, because the ads are a spell that the boss casts on us, and I had spell reflect up and she targeted me for the ad, and that put the ad right on, it actually put the ad dot on her instead of putting the ad dot on me, which is like, that's a really sweet interaction, but like it, it targets randomly. So like, I can't guarantee it. And so like, I wish I had the ability to use misshapen mirror um, to like do those kinds of shenanigans. They're used to, the, misshapen mirror actually used to be the best. It was the best legendary they had in all of Shadowlands because it applied to the whole party. But then they very quickly realized that was really gross and broken because like hitting spell reflect and giving everybody not just uh, like the ability to ignore a mechanic right but also the ability to um <laughs> uh but also the ability because it, it's just a flat 20 percent damage reduction uh for magic damage incoming uh it's just like that was like broken yeah no I, i've been trying to get my mind around diffuse magic because it's like the, it's a similar effect it transfers things that are already on you instead of spell reflect it like reverses something incoming right yeah. yeah yeah so spell reflect i have to beat it right if it is channeling on me most of the time spell reflect won't unless it has like a sometimes it'll have like an end of thing effect so for instance in theater of pain there's the one where she sucks your soul out the end of that is a big damage she'll do like a ton of damage to you but i can spell reflect that damage okay um whereas uh most of the time, you need to spell reflect before they cast the spell, and sometimes that's just a crapshoot, right? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, the the fuse magic. I think it has to be on you, and then it will transfer it back, which is neat. Um, that is neat, actually. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. That is super neat. I think the number one thing that they have done to make me like really invested in the game is adding spell reflect to like regular war like all warriors because it used to be a prod only thing ah. um, and i cared a lot about it i was really good at using spell reflect in in bfa but now i'm using it as a dps it just feels like that much cooler because you know when you're a when you're a tank it's a part of your dp like your defensive rotation but when you're a dps like it's like utility basically yeah yeah and and so like the difference like you know in raid i can't use diffuse magic like you do like you use spell reflect because like you can do things like spell reflect and like intentionally trigger a mechanic like I can't do that, um, so like it's got mm. less utility in that sense. But it's it's you know it's still neat and it's something I'm learning because I had the past one for a long time because um, it was less buttons to hit and I was felt overwhelmed when I start in. So you know I've been slowly building up my mastery. But we are that is something that I have found pretty funny is that over time I am getting I am putting more buttons on myself. Mm. For I specifically did this for uh, for Gondor in Demonology. I, at, I I I'm going a different build in Demonology than the Demonic Portal build now. And that requires just using a lot more buttons. But like, as I have gotten better at that class, I've gotten better at using the the additional active abilities. 
Well, we're we're oh, way over our uh, our. Time. Yeah, we are way over time. Um, tell me, tell me all about your week, I guess. Yep. Yeah, so uh, the big things I did this week are uh, I watched all of Wandavision, uh, which we will be talking about next week. So um, nothing. Be prepared. Yeah, be prepared. Nothing. I'm not going to say too much. I'm going to say that I think it was good, but not great. Um, and we'll talk about it more next week. Um, uh, uh, and uh, what else did I do? Oh, the other big thing I did was I played some Neo 2, which is a lot of fun. Um, feels easier than the first one. Like, Neo uh, is if... Uh, I don't know how many people are familiar, but it's basically like Dark Souls, if it had a baby with Diablo and like was big weeb shit. Um, the first one was, was especially weeb because you played a white guy that went to Japan. Um, uh, which is, it's a real historical figure, um, which is, it, which is like one of the more interesting parts of the, the game to me. Obviously he didn't have acts, he didn't fight demons. Um, or, you know, at least that's what the government wants you to believe. Um, but, uh, uh, the, uh, the second one, it feels easier. There's a ton more mechanics, um, including like some burst kind of mechanics that I felt like made some of these earlier fights, um, much easier. Friend of the cast, Monarch, has said that it gets harder, um, especially as you get into the new game pluses, which is um, not a thing that, like, like Dark Souls has that, um, but, like, it's not, I think, as much of a focus of the game as uh, apparently it is in Neo 2, which is also obviously a very Diablo-esque thing. Uh, so I think that that's, like, from there. Um, I'm having fun with it. I'll probably put some more time into it. Uh, but otherwise, I don't think I have a lot of notables. Uh, so... An interesting thing is you did it. Did we talk about your mythic last week? Did we talk about it? No, we. Because you did a mythic for the first time. We, right? we, well, we did. I did a high level mythic for the first time. We did it after this yeah. podcast. So. That that was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what what was what was that like? What was your experience? Well, like? I, I felt bad. I felt real bad because like I screwed <laughs> up, right? Like I I like I screwed up some some mechanics. Um, I know part of part of it was like. This was like we started at like eleven something, which is you know, yeah, close to my witching hour of, of falling over. So, um, we finished after when I normally go to bed, which is you know not a not a problem in itself, just kind of like a problem in that like I got tired and like I didn't. What level was it? It was a twelve. It was right? a twelve. Yeah. Um, okay. and, that is way above you know. Like, like I, I I I guess I don't think you should feel bad about that, obviously, and I don't think anybody did because. At the end of the week, people just burn keys, you know, like nobody cares sort of thing. It's just like you just get through it to get something good in the chest or whatever. But uh, <laughs> the 12 is woof. Yeah. No, the, the, I, actually think, I actually think a 12 is out of a lot of – is out of range of a lot of people in our raid because they don't run enough mythics to do them well. And, like, you know, the the biggest mythic I've done before that I think was, like, a 2. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like – Part, part of it is just, like, not knowing the mechanics, right? Like, I didn't know what needed to happen, and, like, um, I was off on my timing on some things, and, like, just, like, little optimizations, right? Like, I accidentally rolled into a pile of, like, bleh uh, on a boss, and, you know, it, it killed me. Um, things things were, like, I... Things were, like, in a raid since everything's a little bit more diffused out. I can, you know, be a little bit more... Like, also, like, a single death in a raid isn't as, isn't as big a deal, so, like, um, you know... If I screw up, it's not necessarily like the end of the encounter, which it kind of is in, in the Mythic Plus. Um, definitely interesting, and definitely a thing that I thought was fun, but not a thing that I know if I care enough to devote the time to get good at it. Essentially, right? Like, yeah, um, and this is interesting, right? Because like I would definitely jump in and play with people on like something a little bit more moderately level. Like if people are burning keys and they don't care, right? Like you know, whatever, I'll jump in. Like I've got, I think I feel like I've got enough that like you know, we. 
you know, we can get through it. And like, you know, like, like, like you said at the end, it was like, I was expecting that to take over an hour and it took us like maybe like half an hour for, for, I think it was Miss Tuna Scythe. And so like, mm-hmm. I think I've got enough base confidence to like hit kind of that level. But um, something, something that's interesting is right. is like, you know, if let's say you're like, okay, Mango, let's get you trained up on this. It is against your interest to go run like fives and sixes with me to, to teach it to me because like then your your chest suffers right like that's which which I think is a, a bad set of incentives but like I like and I don't quite understand like why you would... Te- technically speaking I run so many mythics at this point that I don't think my chest would suffer I I spent yesterday running a bunch of sixes and sevens to help gear somebody and uh, and part of that is just. I have 10 14s already. So my chest is maxed out at this point. Okay. Okay, so it's But that's just because I am intensely addicted to these mythics. Okay. Is, is so you, you had mentioned previously that there was like reason why you like wouldn't want to run people through it. Like does it negative like it's the worst of your top 10 keys, right? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, like if so... you were if you were in between in an in between stage where if you were at like if you were at like 11 keys then you would, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if, if like, you had... A couple of, yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, I was just, I was running 10 a week. I wanted all three options in the chest, and, um, and so I was, uh, and so that, that, then I was pretty hyper about, like, not doing bad. You know, like, I, I wouldn't take anything under my level, basically. Um, but over time, I've just been doing more and more of these. Part of this is that I also found a, a like, a group, um, which is essentially like a, it was a pug group. Not quite. It's like four friends who I met at a summoning stone. Like the guy just whispered me and he was like, oh man, Necrolord's warrior. That's cool. And I was like, yeah, it's sweet. And then we did one together and we just like B-net friended after that. And now over time, we are basically like a dedicated Mythic Plus team, right? Like I'm going to do all, 10 probably with the, with this group of guys over the course of, you know, a week. But I'm also obviously going to run with, you know, people from the raid um, cause there are a couple of other people in the raid who run as hard as I do, uh, Savadar, uh, Merak also, uh, Mingo Neshoba is like running, you know, like these, are, like, these are the people who I think are running at keys at my level, essentially. Like right. these are, these are 14s and 15s kind of like pushers. And then there's kind of, um, like good players who do enough, but not like a lot. Right. So like Lindley, for instance, Josh would be in this level. Um, cause like he'll do his four chest pretty reliably, um, at like the 12, 13 level, but not much more than that. And then there are players who don't do any mythics really, right? Like they come in, maybe they'll do one a week, maybe they'll do, you know, and, and, and the big thing there is that like in a mythic zero or in a regular level mythic, a lot of things are hits, but they're not one shot mechanics, right? So for instance, um, you know, yesterday when, uh, yesterday when I was running in this plus six, I sat in a synquake which is this thing, it's incredibly telegraphed. The big golem slams the ground, a little brown swirly is under you, and then rocks shoot up. In a 15, that's a one-shot. In a, in a 12, that's probably a one-shot, right? Um, in a 6, you just get, you get bumped up. You take a damage, right? You take 15, 20k, but if you're at max HP, you just get, you just get healed for that, right? And I think that's the core difference. Um, also, uh, is knowing what to, like... One of the big things is like what to interrupt, what to what to stun, what to what to stop. Um, we we had a really tough time in dungeons like Spires of Ascension and Theater of Pain before we got our interrupts really down. Because like now in Theater of Pain, I could 
we go mob by mob, and I can tell you, like, this, you save your random for, for that, you save your random for this other thing. It's really for Spires that it matters, because in Spires, every single pull has something you have to save an interrupt for, kind of thing. Um, but, you know, like, it's like, it's those sorts of things which are, like, high-end mastery optimization, you know, kinds of, uh, uh, high-end mastery and optimization kinds of play that, like, you, you have to do lots and lots of mythics to get. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I get that. You know, and, and that would be, that, that, that's like a fun thing to do, but like, I do want to play other games and I don't, I, I find yeah. myself, I find myself, I'm curious how you feel about this. I find myself like, even though like, I don't really have a good reason for it, I feel like I have less time to actually play games. Like, even, even during the pandemic, right? Like, you know, maybe I'm like, um, you know, listening to a podcast or like cooking something, right? And it's just kind of like, or like watching YouTube videos or something, right? It's just like it cuts, like you know, cuts down on my gaming time. It's like every month. See, the, this was this was one of my key innovations. Is pugging a mythic became a very easy thing for me to do while just like watching a, a YouTube video by the screen. Okay. Because like, and and funnily enough, I do better in pugs because I'm not like doing the raid lead thing of like calling out mechanics and stuff like that. Because in a pug, you just got to worry about yourself. We've talked about this. Um, and uh, and that's become a really easy thing for me to just like. I log in. I apply to a bunch of groups. Most of them say no. Somebody will say yes, and we just sit and we run through the dungeon. And like, I guess I just have a deep enough understanding of these dungeons that it's not a it's not like a huge draw. But a lot of the time, I'm watching a Lindsay Ellis ContraPoints video, whatever. Yesterday was movies. I watched a bunch of movies yesterday. I watched My Dinner with Andre, which sucked. That movie's. Oh uh, man, I've been. I, I want to watch that movie, but only because of the community reference. I that was my thing. Is we've talked before about doing a community episode, and I was like, "Am I really gonna do a community watch through and not have seen my Dear with Andre. Andre?" Which I lied to people a lot about having seen that. Movie. Oof, a poser, in, in a poser. College, yeah, in college, I was a huge poser about the, about my dinner with Andre. I was like, "Oh yeah, of course I've seen that movie." No, mm -mm, mm -mm. that movie, by the way. One of the most pretentious movies I think I've ever seen in my life, and I wanted to like pull my. Head. I just, is it a famous you, director? You'll probably hate this. Uh, is it a famous director? No, not really. Wallace Shawn okay. is famous. Obviously, he's like the inconceivable guy. He's in it. Um, maybe it is a famous director, but it wasn't anybody I, I noticed. Um, uh, off the top of my head, I think the big thing with my dinner with Andre is just like it is literally just us it is sit sitting down and talking to somebody right for 90 minutes two hours actually it's a little bit longer than that uh let's see louis Maillet, who is a french filmmaker who did nothing i recognize at a glance except for my dinner with andre so yeah uh oh wait oh my god he did the Jacques, the Jacques Cousteau documentary. Ah, okay. okay. That's probably what he's famous for. But anyway. Um, yeah. 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 I also watched Battleship, which was a very dumb a very dumb decision. Because that movie is really dumb. But it was actually dumb in a pretty interesting way. Because they actually implement as plot mechanics the mechanics of the game Battleship. Where you are... You have no, you can't see anything, but you're like hitting points on a grid. And I sat there and I was just like, I cannot believe we spent 90 minutes of like filmmaking getting to the point where they are playing the, <laughs> they're playing the game Battleship in like 
the plot of this movie. Is it is it like is it like you know a convoluted like excuse for it, or is it just kind of like pretending like that's the way that real battleships work? No, 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 no. It's a convoluted excuse for it. So what happens in battleship is aliens show up. They put a big dome over the Hawaii, basically, right? And there's only one missile cruiser, and later. And this is a huge spoiler. I'm sorry to spoil this movie for you. They take the USS Missouri, which is like the biggest battleship the United States has ever made. It's a museum now in Pearl Harbor. Um, they they take it out of being a museum and fire it up with a bunch of World War II veterans. And I'm not fucking joking. They actually do it. Um, and uh, and what happens is the like the enemy spacecraft are also behaving like ships they're they're all along the water or whatever but if they get too close the ships will just blow them up because they have super crazy advanced alien weaponry so the only thing that they can do is stay out of the ship's the sight range right they can't do they can't oh and they're also radar invisible obviously um and so they tap into this network of tsunami buoys which are like buoys that like measure displacement in the water to to warn of a tsunami and they take those buoys, they make a grid out of those buoys, and then they use the displacement of the water from the alien spaceships as they move through the waters, hitting those buoys, to show there is a thing here. And then they shoot into the grid. So they go like, oh, you gotta hit, you know, they, they use like, it's like Roger 6, I think is the grid, and, and they shoot at Roger 6, and then there's a guy who goes hit or miss based on whatever information that doesn't actually make sense actually now that's probably a plot hole now that i think about it because if they're out of sight range how is he going to confirm it's a hit or a miss but uh yep mm -hmm, that's how that works it was fucking stupid as shit it was so dumb <laughs> speaking of go on go on sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no it's okay i, uh, I was uh, i was gonna move on to the next thing uh, i was speaking of stupid movies i if you remember a couple weeks ago i said i watched goodfellas for the first time right and yeah. like i uh I, I was I, I recognized Ray Liotta, but I didn't know what from, and I feel like figured out later was it was from Hubie Halloween, which is like the worst movie <laughs> I saw this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, that yep, that's Ray Liotta. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. The other thing that I watched is I watched all the Austin Powers movies, which at this point read like sat. I mean, this I uh, this is not my take. This is a Patrick Willems take, where he basically pointed out that like. If you watch Austin Powers now, it reads like satire of the current generation of filmmaking, right? Um, specifically because in the third movie, it's revealed that Dr. Evil and Austin Powers are secretly brothers. They've been brothers this whole time, right? And that is a plot twist that was unironically used in a real James Bond movie, Spectre, which came out in whatever year that, that fucking came out in, right? Um, that I think we may have done a podcast on. I don't think so. So it is that, it is a thing that parodied a hacky, dumb trope 20 years before the thing happened. Right, but but like, but obviously it's because it's it's a it's supposed to be like also a parody moment of um of Star Wars, or Star Wars right? Like No, 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 that's what I know. So it is, it is... Well, it's kind of a parody moment in Star Wars, um, but uh, but like the fact that Austin Powers, who is a gigantic spoof of James Bond, right, right, and then a James Bond, Bond movie, movie uses that like it's I don't know I was, I was just so I'm, was I, I, I I am curious you know watching those movies now like do you think they could have been made now because it's been a long time since I've seen them and like they were like kind of like '90s 
early aughts raunchy in a way that like is kind of frowned upon in the current in the current age. You, you... There are specific things in those movies that I think would play very well now. For instance, one of my favorite I, I think actually the best bit in any of these movies is at the beginning of the the beginning of the second film picks off picks up right after the end of the first film where Vanessa, you know, the, the, the girl and Austin get together, they get married, and they're like having they're like having sex at the end of the, the first movie. Second movie begins with that, and then it's revealed that Vanessa has secretly been a fembot this whole time and pops machine guns out of her boobs and shoots Austin a bunch. And then Austin tells Basil Exposition, his boss, Did you know Vanessa was a fembat? And he said, Yes, we've known this whole time, sadly. Anyway, here's your next assignment. And I just, like, move right on. <laughs> and, I, and I realized that, like, that moment of continuity be- between the first movie and the second movie is sort of, I think, maybe one of the first moments of, like, real and direct continuity between films in this sort of, like, comedy film, right? Like, that we really like I, I think it's a big stepping stone towards like the Marvel movies, right? Where late stage Marvel movies are entirely incomprehensible without, you know, the previous context of other ones, right? Right. Imagine Avengers Endgame, um with without watching all of the other you know, without watching all of the other Marvel movies, for instance. Um that so, so I, I feel like that's actually pretty significant. Is, is that like that stepping stone of in, from nineteen ninety seven to nineteen ninety nine? Right, these movies were produced two years apart. Was this is a movie where you are expected to remember the specific plot details of the movie that came right before it? I was also expri- surprised to see so many. There were lots and lots of callback jokes and like references to the to the previous movies, including things like um, just like throwaway bits and like lines that I was like. Wow, that's like a really deep cut. You know, the the third movie, Goldmember, came out in two thousand two, which was then seven years from the original Austin Powers. But it's referencing things in the original Austin Powers, right? That like got established in the original Austin Powers, which I was just like, wow, that's it. Might be the first instance in modern filmmaking that I can think of that happening. So, um, so I I felt similar like comedy. I think you're right. I felt very similarly about um, Ocean's Thirteen. Um, that there were some cuts that I mm. that I thought were weren't like super clear unless you were like you know, like I watched them all in the in, you know the three of them in the in the in like a month, um, and so uh, uh, and and so like I, I I saw those moments, but it's like yeah no you were expected to to know what was happening. It wasn't super lampshaded either, right? Like, um, like um, the the big one in uh, in Ocean Thirteen is the villain from the second one shows up in the background. The camera does this thing where it like zooms in on him. But like they don't explain why he's there, right? It's like if you had, if you didn't remember him from twelve, right? Like you know, you wouldn't know. You'd be like, what is this? Like the camera's obviously panning to this guy for a reason. Then like, and then he he does like he has like a bit piece at the end. But like you know, it, mm-hmm. very similar. Oh. No, yeah, that is that is absolutely true. And uh, like my previous Rosetta Stone for this is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like I think the most important movies of twenty first century cinema are probably the three Lord of the Rings films because I'm it, with that yeah. I think that was the thing that proved to kind of the Hollywood business that this kind of thing can work, that audiences are smart enough to comprehend it, right? Like, that we can go from Fellowship to Two Towers without really any breathing room. You know, like, people just... If you pick up Two Towers in the middle of it, right, like, there's not a lot of context there, but, like, 
the expectation was everyone had seen Fellowship, and they had, and then the expectation was everyone had seen Two Towers, and they had for for Return of the King, right? Um, but it was really interesting watching Austin Powers and being like, oh man, this is like three years before Lord of the Rings, four years before actually Lord of the Rings, that they were still, that they were like doing this kind of thing and just expecting you to understand it. I think the other example obviously is Star Wars, by the way, um, which is probably like the, the very, very beginning of this you know, Star Wars, Indiana Jones a little bit, but not that much. Um, yeah, and a couple of other the like, Indian, small... well, like the second Indiana Jones is a prequel, right? So like you, you theoretically didn't even never had to see the the first one, right? Like other than like... yeah, and there's I, I I really I'm just assuming they're there. I guess I haven't seen the Indiana Jones movies in a long time. I just like assume those kinds of continuity. There's not a lot from what I remember, but stretch between them, yeah. Like, but obviously, like the gap from. A New Hope to Empire, and then Empire to Return yeah. of the Jedi. Like those are like real examples of this, and they are they really like predate twenty you know twenty years ahead of, uh, ahead of the curve kind of thing. But for the most part, I think I feel like movies made in those eras are kind of like one and dones, right? Yeah, um, and even if they're serials, now, right? Like they're just kind of like yeah, right? Like um, yeah, I, I I think I think I think you're right. Um, I also I wonder I wonder just kind of on your point of you know um you know the Star or not Star Wars uh. Lord of the Rings is like you know the first te- like you know audience can do this. I also wonder if it's also like kind of like the moment that like being a nerd went mainstream. If that makes sense, right? Oh, I also think that's true. I mean, I think it is a confluence of a couple different things. Um, it is you know Batman and Robin getting absolutely trashed by fans of Batman. It's uh, the X Men movie coming out and making you know uh, like making a gazillion dollars at the box office. Um, obviously Spider-Man is in the same thing, a million, set a million records, Spider-Man 2 and 3 are kind of all in those things. But really, like, I think, I think that the core of it is, is the Lord of the Rings, because, first of all, the Lord of the Rings is, um, it had that three-year thing where they shot the whole movie at once. So, whereas, if I'm X-Men, you don't end on, I mean, you, you end on kind of a cliffhanger or whatever, but there's, like, there's no expectation to shoot a sequel until, like, the sequel right. happens, if that makes sense. Whereas Lord of the Rings, they shot all three of them back-to-back, right? All three of those movies were shot in, in a two-year period so that they would be, like, built for the franchise, which I think is a better modern representation of how we approach, like, filmmaking, right? Um, yeah, because... Like... There was always going to be a Spider-Man 2, right? Um, even... And even if they weren't like filmed at the same time, right? Like we always knew that that next one was. Yeah, and like Kevin Feige like has has planned out the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is exactly. And this is funny because we just were talking about Star Wars, and the Star Wars sequels were definitely not planned that way. <laughs> were definitely not planned that way at all. Which is funny because like if you think about it, the original Star Wars, the original Star Wars codified this, and then the Star Wars sequels. Failed at it. <laughs> failed at it so miserably, right? Like, but even but even the prequels are a great example of this. Prequels came out right in this time, right? Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, you know. And I would say that they're more episodic, which is why I yeah. wouldn't say like the Phantom Menace is the first example of this. Also, there's plenty of time. Phantom Menace comes out, uh, was that ninety nine, and then four years later, whereas the Lord of the Rings are pop 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 one two three. Um, but uh, yeah, and then also the, the 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 Lord of the Rings won the Oscar, which is that that is the craziest yeah, yeah. thing. That Return of the King won all those fucking Oscars, right? Um, which is, I think, where, I mean, people complain about movies today and movies in the 2000s and movies, whatever. If there are real doldrums for movies, it is the fucking 90s, where it's shit like Independence Day. You know, like, I mean, <sighs> Independence Day, it's, 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 it's fun. Like, it's like, 
it's fun. It's it is it is it is fine in a like dumb as rocks way. It is just incredibly straightforward. There is nothing more serious going on underneath. It is just compelling action adventure. Fair enough, <laughs> right? Um, but the thing, but the difference between the filmmaking in Independence Day and the filmmaking in I don't know what's a modern version of Independence Day. Not the new Independence Day. <laughs> now, now I'm trying to think. Most of these are bad, right? Like that that are in these sort of it's like Independence Day is so contained because it has to do it all in one movie. Whereas the Marvel movies can stretch that out a little mm. bit more, right? Like, or even just you know, even Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings movies tell a character arc for Aragorn that takes place over the course of three three-hour movies, which is just like a mu- you have so much more time to get into the nuance of it, right? Um, Aragorn, you know, like going from Aragorn who is very reluctant to accept his heritage to Aragorn who is earnestly heroic and saving the kingdom of Rohan because he, you know, he feels so deeply for these people to finally the Aragorn that assumes the mantle of the king of Gondor as he is, you know, restored the the Numenorian bloodline or whatever else, you know what I mean? Like that that is an arc that takes place over the course of three movies, which is huge. Um, and I think that is a much more complex story than Will fucking Smith and <laughs> you know Welcome listen, to Earth. <laughs> even even good movies from the nineties, like Jurassic Park, also had very like one and done stories. Yeah, um, um, yeah, no, no. You're, you're, it's interesting because like I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how you feel about Wandavision, right? Because like that's like this taking to its like ultimate. You know, you take a Marvel movie. And you take all of its context, and then you take one Marvel movie, and you stretch it, stretch it over nine episodes, which is like, I think it's like somewhere between like five and seven hours, somewhere in there, because like the, the 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 episodes are like half an hour to an hour a piece, I think. So, well, that's a lot of content. I tell you what, yeah, and we'll talk about that. Yeah, next week. <laughs> and that's 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 a, that's a good uh, place to end it, I think. So, if you'd like to tell us what you think about um, uh, any of the things we talked about this podcast, World of Warcraft patch patches. Uh, uh, this history of cinema. You can email us at playgame at gmail.com or podcast.com. You can follow us on twitch.tv games where these episodes air live. Um, uh, uh, you can rate and review us on everywhere that you can find podcasts. Uh, that's everything I have. Buddy, do you have anything else you want to promote? I have nothing else that I am looking to promote. Uh, in that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.